1: Put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45 percent. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com rules and restrictions may apply.
2: Let's go, Niners! We are going to Philadelphia for the NFC Championship game. Tell Rocky Balboa I'm coming. Ain't that right, Lucas? We're coming, baby! We're coming! Let's go!
3: It sounds like they're coming. Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley behind the glass. You guys with us. 215-592-9494. The voice there, the voice is, one of uh, Joe Shasky who's about to join us here. ninety five seven. The Game out in San Francisco. The other one, I believe, uh, just a fan from At The Game on Sunday. At Levi Stadium, the Niners beat the Cowboys, which means, yes, the Niners are coming here. Potentially some of their fans. I mean, I'm not worried about this. Like, Niners fans actually think they're going to invade the link. We saw this a few years ago, or five years ago. Remember when the Vikings fans came here and they embarrassed themselves on the
4: museum steps? Remember that whole thing? That was one of the saddest things I've ever seen.
3: Yeah, I, I would hope Niners fans, I mean, they're, at least they're more accustomed to winning. They know what it's like to be in title games. I would hope they wouldn't try to come here and embarrass themselves. We'll find out, though. Joe Shasky's about to join us. Well, I'm not sure if he's coming out here. I'm sure some Niners fans are. Let's talk about this game with Joe. 95-7, the game, our sister station. San Francisco. Joe, how you doing tonight? Joey G. I'm feeling great, but I'm taking umbrage with that promo coming in. Metallica? dog, we don't be
2: bumping on the Metallica in 2023. Come on, man. We we're slapping E40. At least give me Carlos Santana and Huey Lewis before Metallica. I mean, we're more cultured than that. Come
3: on. Well, we g- we also gave you NBA you. Camps. We gave you you coming in there. We got we played your voice, your Instagram last week with your with that person in the <laughs> crowd that you're walking with. Are you ready for this or what?
2: Oh, dude, I'm I'm flying on a red eye after the Warrior game Friday night. I'm heading in. I'll be touching down in the city of P-H-I-L-L-Y, about 10.30 in the morning on Saturday. I'm excited. I'm really excited. Look, I'm a historian buff, so I got to get to one of the best American cities in the world, and that's obviously Philadelphia. I
3: got to go see that bell. got to see Rocky Balboa.
2: And I got to see my Niners face in their eighth. NFC championship game. I'm excited. This is going to be a great matchup.
3: All right. So we know, Joe, you're a a big fan and obviously a sports historian. So let me ask you before we get to the matchup and the game and your feeling on it. Yeah. What is the loudest road venue, like the most hostile road venue you've ever gone to as a fan?
2: Well, first off, I'm a fifth generation San Franciscan. So, you know, I grew up a so-and-so from Candlestick. Candlestick, Old and cold. Very similar to the vet. Very similar to the vet. But I have so much respect for Philly fans. I feel like this is... This is tier one. If we're talking Apex Predators, us walking into an environment, this is tier one. I went to Boston game three and game four. Warriors, I sat alone up in the top with Sean Sullivan from Quincy Market up there in Boston Garden, and that was an experience of a lifetime. Watched the greatest Steph Curry game of all time, where he dropped 47 points in game four this year. Yes, that's right. Your reigning champion, the Golden State Warriors. I've been to Dodgers Stadium. I've been all over. But Philly. For an NFC Championship game? Because I respect the fans, the city, the culture, the Eagles fly, Eagles fly. I respect all that. This is tier one. I know what I'm stepping into. This is the Emperor's Palace, okay? I am young Luke Skywalker facing off against the Emperor in Return of the Jedi.
3: Yeah, I think that's a good comp. It will be that on Sunday, Joe. It's going to be loud. It's going to be raucous. And it's going to be a great game. All right, so Joe, let's let's talk through this one and this game. And we got to start... With your quarterback, a guy that, uh, unless you watch the Big 12, people didn't know who he was till about seven weeks ago, and all of a sudden he's the toast of town. Joe, how much confidence do you, how much confidence do fans out there have in Brock Purdy? Now, we know he's played well, but in this test, on the road, NFC title game, I don't have to tell you, you know it. Four rookie quarterbacks have made it this far. They've all lost in this spot. Give me the confidence level in Purdy on Sunday.
2: Let me tell you this, Joey G, just to give you some Savona fides. I've been to over 200 NFL games in my life, 49ers. I got the ticket stubs to match. I know we go digital this days. I saw this kid up close and personal at practice, 11 padded practices, up close and personal, Brock Purdy. I said, you got to be kidding me. He's too small. He's too little. You know, he's running around. You're not allowed to hit the quarterback. I thought it was a total farce. He couldn't roll out left and throw across his body like a shortstop would on a play up the middle back in the day. I, I, I laughed at it. I really thought Trey Lance was going to have a really solid year. Obviously, there's a lot to prove. Jimmy G, God bless his soul, when it comes to football IQ, he's one of the stupidest quarterbacks I have seen in my life. I mean, tough as nails, always hurt. I appreciate what he did to this organization, but he is one of the most overrated players because of the winning percentage, and it's because Kyle Shanahan is a brilliant schemer, and they have elite playmakers. at Steps in Brock Purdy in the Miami game. I thought the season was over. Straight up. Thought the season was over. Boy, was I wrong. The kid is quick. He gets rid of it. Now, I don't know what he is. He's just a mirage. Every week I go, can he do it against this team? Can he do it against that team? Can he do it without Debo? Can he do it when they don't have a run game? Can he do it when he's down seven points? Can he do it in the playoffs? Every week he checks a box, checks a box. I mean, this is one of the most incredible stories. If he could somehow... Win this game. And you're talking Kurt Warner Disney story. And even then, I feel like you're insulting a sports fan's intelligence. I, I'm shocked. My confidence level, I don't know. I, I honestly, like 40% because I, I just I respect Philly's D that much. And seeing what Dallas did to take away the run, I feel like the offense is real constipated right now
3: what are you seeing in the last couple of weeks it feels to, like feels to me watching it that he's leaking a little oil like you know a couple of plays against Seattle nearly picked mm. and then and then he got going and then they put up 40 points mm-hmm. and then last week they didn't move, move the ball much and didn't score much and it felt like a couple of plays could have been picked are you seeing those like do you, does it feel like he's the, the other defenses are, are kind of finding the answer I noticed when he rolls left it, it doesn't turn out great for them a lot no no and he he's been,
2: He's been pretty good at protecting the ball. He's had at least two or three either battable, interceptable. I call it lane cloggers where he doesn't see, like, the linebacker on the underneath on that zone. You know, you play Madden, everybody knows. You throw that underneath pick, boom, house me. But guys have dropped the ball. And what does he do on the next play? Gashes them for a 20-yard, uh, you know, completion down the line. I mean, you want to call it luck? You want to call it uh making the most of unfortunate situations in the defense? I don't know. I know this. Dan Quinn was brilliant. On Sunday, brilliant on Sunday. They were at every spot that the Niners like to throw to all game. They were a step ahead of him. I thought he was slightly reluctant in the first half. As the game went on, Kittle made a really nice play. They got things going. He really only completed four good balls in that game, if we're being 100%. One to Iuke, two to Kittle, and he threw one to Jennings before halftime. It was pretty pedestrian, if we're being honest. And I really believe nobody was open. But the dirty little secret with the 49ers. We love Debo Samuel. He's a great football player, a great Swiss Army knife. He's a terrible route runner. He gets zero separation. Brandon Ayuk, brilliant route runner. And what Dallas did was bracketed him and forced Debo out of not just running slants. And he couldn't do much. And then they slowed down Christian McCaffrey. Hence why we couldn't move the ball.
3: Joe Sasky joining us here. 95-7 the game out in San Francisco. He's on his way on this weekend to Philadelphia for the NFC title game. As are your Niners, Joe, all right, Joe. I need your perspective, and, and you can tell me how it's changed. Maybe it mm-hmm. hasn't over the past couple of years. What do you think of Jalen Hurts now? What did you think of Jalen Hurts when he came into the NFL? I mean, uh, Joe, I'll just tell you how I evolved. When I first watched mm-hmm. him at Alabama, I didn't think he was a quarterback. Like, when he was 17 years old, freshman Alabama, I was like, this guy can't throw. He's a running back. He can't, he can't be a quarterback. And then he got better and better, and the Eagles drafted him, and I was like, this kind of interesting. And then I couldn't wait to get Wentz off the field and get him on. And he won me over quickly here. And I, I just, there's something about him. He's a winner. What have you thought about Hurts over the years? Well, I, I think the
2: majority of America found out what kind of person he is, forget football player, with how he handled the whole Tua thing and the back and forth with the bowl game. And to me, he showed tremendous class, teammate, I mean, all those things. And then I'm a believer in Lincoln Riley. I've seen what he's done with USC. I've seen what he done with all these quarterbacks. What he did with Jalen might be the most impressive thing of all time. Because I'm with you. I thought he was an RPO run gadget guy who couldn't throw the ball down the field, couldn't see the field. Boy, was I wrong. We saw him early in the season. I want to say it was week three against you guys last year. And he ran really well. Throw in, he made a couple of nice, really nice deep balls. But we interview Brian Baldinger every single week. I know you guys know Baldy. And Baldy texts me all the time. He goes, this kid Jalen, this kid Jalen. And I've watched a lot of Eagle games. I just love what he brings to the table. He always feels like he's in control and doesn't rush anything. That's like composure. So I'm a Joe Montana guy, all right? Composure, composure, moxie, composure. This kid has those. And then you listen to him. He's a work-hard kind of a guy. I watch what he says at the podium, and I love it. But he's made the most of these weapons. I mean, Devontae's balling. AJ's balling. Uh, Miles Sanders ball Goddard's Goddard. So I, and I have tremendous respect for what he's done for that offense. And then I watched what Gardner you did, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys need Jalen Hurts in that lineup.
3: Yeah, well, they did, right? They're 15-1 with them now, and, and the two games that mm-hmm. didn't happen, they lost those games. Joe, give me the weakness. Give me the – I mean, we know that the Purdy thing is still a question mark, but yeah. he's played well. Um, if, if your team does not come out of here a winner, why? Other than Purdy, if there's a spot the Eagles are going to attack, what's the weakness right now?
2: Joe, you, you've been doing sports radio a long time. I hate this cliche, but it's so true with this team. They're 14-0 and 0 when they win the turnover battle this year. 14-0. It's that simple. If they don't turn it over and and they make the most of their plays when it comes to the offensive execution and blocking up front. I, to me, the matchup you want to watch, Brendel, which is our center, okay, who had a really good year out of nowhere, Banks and Burford, that's the guard center guard, against Hall of Famer Fletcher Cox. They've gotten eaten up by Aaron Donald in years past. Interior pressure. Brock is small. He doesn't want to stay in the pocket. I thought Dallas did a great job setting the edges with DeMarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons. If they are forced to throw from within the pocket and cannot unlock play action, I feel like it's a wrap. And obviously the turnover battle is going to play big into that. And then, guys, you give up chunk plays. This secondary for the 49ers, big chunk plays Downfield. The way people talk about Diggs, the cornerback for Dallas Cowboys, he's going to jump routes. He's going to pick the ball off, but boy, he's going to make big misses for balls downfield. That's what Talanoa Hufanga has done all year. He's got six interceptions, but he misses big time on the deep ball. All A1 Predator wide receivers have killed this team for the last two months. A.J. Brown is one of them, in my estimation. I am petrified of seeing what he can do.
3: Yeah, I've been bringing him up a lot because and, and he had a quiet game last Saturday against the Giants. Usually the way it works around here is if you have a quiet game, the next game you explode because they gotta uh-huh. they gotta try to get the ball into everyone's hands here. We're talking to Joe Shasky, ninety five seven the game out in San Francisco as we get set for the NFC championship game. So so what is the feeling um you know with the fan base right now? I mean, you guys have been at three of these in the last four years. But they've all kind of been different, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. three years ago, number one seed, and you just kind of steamroll people and almost won the Super Bowl against the Chiefs. And then last year was such a surprise, right, that it wasn't expected. They won road playoff games to get there. This year, third-string quarterback. Like, what is the mentality? Is it a now or never thing? Is it house money? Like, what is the feeling on this group, this coach, three years, you know, three out of the last four, is it is it time to get it done? Like, tell me what the fans are feeling. Well, first off, Kyle Shanahan has
2: cemented himself as probably being the longest tenured 49er head coach of all time. I mean, he's he's in year six right now. Bill Walsh only went ten years. He retired in '89 after the Super Bowl. He only won three. Everyone marks him with that fourth. Seifert won the one the very next year. Uh, And so, you know, he's gonna have uh, another extension here. He's gonna stay forever. He, he, I mean, he locked himself in. He's an absolute winner. Everybody's going to say, you can't win the big one. Well, what about all the big games leading up to the big one? That's the thing that kills me. What, last week wasn't big? The week before that wasn't big? What, what about going to the Super Bowl against the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers, the MVP of the league, in 2019? What about winning in Green Bay without scoring an offensive touchdown because Jimmy Garoppolo's throwing up all over himself? That wasn't a big game in the frozen tundra. So Kyle Shanahan's legacy for me and a lot of my buddies and fans and family, hey, he's cemented. It feels like some of the fans, though, are playing with this house money thing, and I think it's crap. I mean, oh, Brock, he's a rookie. He could do this for 10 years. Who knows? I mean, I thought Russell Wilson was going straight to the Hall of Fame a couple years ago. He looks terrible. You know, I mean, stuff happens in the league. I thought Colin Kaepernick was going to be a Hall of Fame type of a quarterback. He turned into a, a straight pumpkin after two years. You guys had Carson Wentz. He was the MVP of the league, and all of a sudden, he's thrown away with even on four different teams in the last three years because of poor decision-making, things flip quick. And when I watch what happened with the hardball era, you got to cash in one of these bad boys. So my perspective is a little different. I want to win one, but I, I respect Eagles. To me, the Eagles have been the clear-cut number one team in the NFL with the Chiefs all year long. And I believe we are the underdogs rightfully. And if we win this game, it's a huge, huge – this might be the biggest – road win in 49er history. I'm not saying that lightly. I mean that sincerely. Biggest road win in 49er history because it's a rookie quarterback starting in one of the most difficult places to play in all of sports in the NFC Championship game against the number one team in the NFL. I mean, come on, man.
3: Yeah, it's tough to get, I mean, the way you frame it, it's tough to get bigger than that. So let's end with this, John. I'm sure you probably remember the game. I mean, you, you sound like the kind of fan that would remember it. We were talking earlier this week I just find it amazing, the Eagles and Niners. You know, Niners have been one of the best teams in NFL history. Yeah. The Eagles have been, I'd say, for the last 25 years or so. So successful. Upper echelon, right? But yet, these two franchises have only played one time in the postseason. 1996 wild card game, mm-hmm. 14-0 Niners over the Eagles in Candlestick. Young hurt his ribs, and then I think you guys mm-hmm. lost the next week in Green Bay because Young could barely play. Um, what do you remember from that game? And do you find it as weird as I do that this is only the second time we're ever doing this? Uh, it's absolutely devastating.
2: 96. So they had lost Ricky Waters to your Philadelphia Eagles. And I'm sure Ricky's a very controversial person there. We missed him. I mean, we wanted him. He was, he was what Christian McCaffrey is now. The dual threat out of the backfield. You guys got Ray Rhodes, our defensive coordinator after we won the Super Bowl. I mean, there's a lot of connected tissue there. But not only knocking out Young, he was so banged up. He tried to play the first drive of Green Bay in Green Bay. They go three and out. They punt it to Desmond Howard, and he runs one in on a punt. And then Gerbach comes in, and the rest is kind of history. But what do I remember? I remember a sloppy, crappy, muddy freaking candlestick where the Niners barely held on because they had an aging defense that wasn't any good anymore. And it ended up being that their special teams did them in at that point. But, like – it's it's kind of crazy to me that the Niners and Eagles haven't had any of these matchups, to be quite honest with you. Andy Reid was obviously awesome for so long, and then Doug Peterson I have tremendous respect for. We just haven't been good or great at the exact same time. It feels like when you guys are great, we're picking in the top five, or vice versa. So, I don't know, man. I'm excited for this one. The only thing I can think of when it comes to Philly SF, at least recent memory, is the Phillies in 2010 against the San Francisco Giants. Yep. Like, us taking down Utley and Rollins and Howard. I mean, that to me was a coming-of-age series for Matt Cain, Lincecum, Brian Wilson, etc.
3: Yeah, well, we owe you one for that. So that's going to happen on Sunday. Joe, have a safe flight. And uh, listen, I, I know we just talked about how this is rare. And we did. you also mentioned how the NFL changes fast. I have a feeling we're going to see more of these Eagles-Niners games over the next three, four, five years. The Eagles are young. They're set up. Hurts is going to be here. And obviously, like you said about Shannon, I don't think this is the last time we're going to do this in the next couple years.
2: The, the one thing I love about both teams, they got big balls. Think about the Darius Slay trade. Think about moving off of Wentz. I mean, Howie's got big balls. So does John Lynch. The Christian McCaffrey trade is the greatest in-season trade in San Francisco 49er history. I like teams that go in, go all in. And that's why these two teams are being rewarded with an NFC Championship game.
3: It's going to be fun, Joe. Enjoy the game and, uh, and have a safe flight. We'll talk soon. Hell yeah, Joey G. Have a
2: good one, baby. Philly, he, be ready. We coming.
3: The Niners Nation is coming, or whatever. They, what do they call themselves? Niners Invasion? I believe that's what he called it. Yeah, I, Bay Area Invasion, something I, like that. I looked that. it up. They, it's like their fan I think they like it's, it's a fan group. I, I don't know if he's coming by himself or whatever. But we appreciate Joe hopping on. Joe Shasky, 95-7 the game um, in, in San Francisco. I do think, I just mentioned him the last thing we talked about. I don't think this is the last Eagles-Niners game, in, playoff game in the next handful of years. So I don't know who's going to play quarterback for the Niners. I have no idea. You want to tell me it's Brock Purdy the next five years? I'll buy it. You want to tell me Trey Lance comes back from the injury and he's still the guy they thought they drafted? I could accept that. You want to tell me they get another quarterback and they win that way? I, I wouldn't be surprised. They've won with all these different quarterbacks anyway. It just feels like, like when you kind of project forward the NFC, and I acknowledge it's tough to project anything in the NFL beyond if you have an all-time quarterback, but I do think the Niners and Eagles are the most two of the most trustworthy teams in the conference. Like The Packers are about to go and undergo a major transition. It may happen right away. I mean, They could trade Rodgers this offseason. The Jets stuff is just everywhere. Um, Brady's going to be gone, so the Bucs are going to go back to being a miserable franchise. They're not going to win without Tom Brady. I mean, who else in the NFC do you feel like you could trust? The Cowboys are—you you know what they are, and that's not a team that's going to win Super Bowls or get close to them, so let's remove them for a second— the Giants had a nice year, but please. Like they got a long way to go to build that roster to be a competitive team year in, year out. The Vikings were lucky. Maybe the Lions, it seems like they're pretty smart and maybe they figured it out, but I mean, are we gonna bet on the Lions year in, year out? I'm not. As long as McVay is there, I feel like the Rams will come back, but it's an aging roster. I think we're gonna get
4: a lot of Eagles Niners playoff games the next three, four, five years. Yeah, I think they were by far the two best teams in the NFC this season and Like you said, you project ahead. And I think part of it, normally when you do this, you talk about how great the quarterbacks are, right? right? If you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady, you can pencil them in for a playoff spot for about a decade. And there aren't really that many quarterbacks in the NFC that are in that classification, right? The guys that you would consider to be on that level, like Mahomes, like Burrow, you can throw Herbert and Allen into that category. They're all in the AFC. And when I look at the NFC, the two people who I think you can count on to be, Be you know contenders, or Kyle Shanahan, who seems to win with no matter what slop he has at quarterback, and Howie Roseman, who even though I don't think he's ever built anything sustainable in his career, he continues to put together playoff teams time and time again. Well, look just look quickly at the NFC quarterbacks as they are now, and and this will obviously evolve and change.
3: But here are the quarterbacks the NFC right now: Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott. Who who I mean he he could decline soon too. Dak, I think Dak peaked, and I don't know if he's ever going to get any better. Uh, Daniel Jones. I don't even know who we say the, car, the the Washington quarterback is. Is it Carson Wentz? Is it Taylor Heineke? I have no idea. Uh, Kirk Cousins. Jared Goff. Rodgers, but I mean the reports are out there that the Packers are interested or will listen to trade offers and they will only want to trade them to the AFC. So we might have to throw Rodgers to the other conference. So that becomes Jordan Love. Justin Fields. Guys are wonderful runner. I have no idea no idea if he could throw. Um, Bucks, no idea who their quarterback is. Carolina, no idea who their quarterback is. Saints, no idea who their quarterback is. Atlanta, Desmond Ritter, but we'll see. Uh, really, no idea who their quarterback is. Niners, you trust them. Uh, Geno Smith, Stafford. I mean, these guys are on the wrong side of thirty. And then Kyler Murray, hurt and and the opposite of a winner. I mean, I. The NFC, it runs through the Eagles and the Niners. I mean, again, it's it's a team with a coach you can trust, and a, 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 in the Niners and a team with a front office you absolutely could trust in. In the Eagles. So they're going to be the teams over the next... It's just, if they don't meet in the playoffs, I'll be, again, after this game, I'll be very surprised. They're two well-run teams, and it's funny because the Niners is almost independent of the quarterback. Like, I don't know who play quarterback for them. They'll probably win 10 games next year, 11 games, and, and be in the postseason. That's that's really what they've been and, and how good of a franchise they've been. Three out of the last four NFC title games, that's that's a lot. I mean, that that's a really well-run organization with Shanahan and John Lynn. So I I think after years and years of of almost no playoff history, other than the 96 game, we're about to enter a new chapter where the Eagles and Niners becomes a rivalry again. That's what's going to make it a lot of fun here. Let's go to the phone lines. Matt, the Matt's at Pasta. Hey, Matt.
5: Hey, what's going on, Joe?
3: What's up, Um, buddy? What are you thinking?
5: Hey, I'm going to talk about this week, and I want to talk about like you tipped on about the Eagles organization. I want to talk about that a little bit. So first, let's talk about coming up this week. I have absolutely no fear, no concerns, and I'm not looking at this through green goggles at all, right? I and I'll explain why. I see us say 31-17 victory onto the Super Bowl. I do not have a lot of faith in or trust, if you will, in the 49ers' offensive line. I think their secondary is ready to be cooked. I think they are just a little bit above the the, the false record and bravado that the Minnesota Vikings had, although he has a longer tenure and a better track record by timeline, I don't have a ton of faith in Shanahan either. I think when push comes to shove and they're playing from behind, I think you're going to see the cracks in Shanahan's game plan and his schemes and the things they have going on. Eagles, on the other hand, I think are set. And again, no green goggles here. I think this is just facts and legitimate. And I know we're limited all the time, so I can't get into the entire scope of why I think the Eagles are a better team suited for, for this week against the Niners. So I just want to hear your part, and then I want to talk about moving forward.
3: Well, I, I look, I'm confident, Matt. I'm not as confident as you. I, I think the Niners present a lot of challenges. Here, here's what it comes down to for me, and this is why I think they're going to win the game. I trust Jalen not to turn the ball over, and I think Purdy's yeah. about to turn the ball over. And I really think, and the guest we just had on mentioned the Niners are fourteen and zero when they win the point, when the win the turnover differential. And we know the Eagles when early in the season when they were winning the turnover differential, they were winning every game. And it just, I mean, it feels to me like the quarterback that throws the pick is going to lose the game. And I trust Jalen that he's not gonna get fooled and if it's it's a tight window he's gonna pull it back, he's gonna run it, he's not gonna make a mistake. I just I trust him. Meanwhile I think they're Correct. gonna I think they're gonna get Purdy.
5: I, I do too. And I and just last part before I move forward with that, I do think they're gonna get to Purdy and I don't think anything uh you know dirty or off off the cuff or anything. I think we're gonna see the Giants back up and I, I looked it up the other day. I know that's Josh Johnson yeah. because just the style that Purdy plays, uh, the way that Purdy plays His play action, the way the Eagles are going to come off the edge and come at him, he is going to take some serious shots. Daniel Jones, I give him credit. He took some serious licks that day, and he's a big dude, so he got up. So for him, I give him credit. Moving forward, you you touched on about the Eagles, about the organization, and I can't be more proud to be an Eagles fan than I am. And I'm one of those people who I've criticized Howie, I've criticized the coaching staff and all these things like anybody else would. But I couldn't be more proud of the organization that we have. And it speaks volumes when you have a player like Miles Sanders, who has had his difficulties with injuries. He's been somewhat maligned with the fan base at times. Where, you know, you got one people run him more. Other people say, get him gone. This is a guy who you think by just his presentation over the years is somebody who is more, give me, give me, give me. He wants to the Eagles organization and he wants to be here. He is a guy who could get money on the market. Teams would pay him. He knows he wants to be here because this is a good organization. This is where he wants to be. And I think that speaks volumes to the future that you're talking about with our Eagles and how they, how teams and players, or I should say players, will want to come here over time because of the organization structure that we have. And Jalen Hurts, I hate looking back at all the things, how he got to Jalen, how he got to become the starter, because I don't like looking in that rear view. I hate bringing it up and going through all that stuff. I like looking at the now, and I there's no doubt in my mind, he is our franchise quarterback.
3: Uh, I'm with you, Matt. I appreciate it, Matt, and it's going to be a great weekend. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it, did they arrive here in a weird way? But it doesn't matter. I mean, it, it, when, when you find the guy and you find stability and you find a window to uh, the next era of Eagles football with a lot of winning and competing for Super Bowls, it's it's worth it. I mean, sometimes the, the, the domino effect the sports, the butterfly effect, it, it's worth it. you got to go through a bad year or two, and then all of a sudden you find yourself again, and and the Eagles did it in an incredible way. 215-592-9494. That is how you hop aboard here on this Wednesday night. I believe this game is on Jalen Hurts, and I don't think Nick Sirianni was necessarily snubbed for the Coach of the Year Award. I, I don't believe that. 215 We'll hear from Hurts on the other side talking about today his desire to win, where it comes from, what it means. Hertz coming up next. Your calls on Sports Radio 94 WIP. If you've been watching the NFL playoffs on the sidelines, there's still time to get in the game with FanDuel in partnership with Valley Forge, Casino America's number one sportsbook. New customers bet this Sunday's conference championship games with $150. The free bet's guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up. Promo code G I G L I O. This weekend, if I have $150 to spend, a free bet, I'm using it on A.J. Brown over. his receiving yards. We're getting a big A.J. Brown game this weekend. FanDuel is all your favorite bets. From the money line of points spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. I really like the FanDuel app. FanDuel Sportsbook is the official partner of 94WIP, so football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, With promo code GIGLIO, make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.
3: Welcome back, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Gilio with you, Tucker Bagley behind the glass. You guys with us, 215 592 9494. That's how you get aboard here on this Wednesday night. And we're watching and looking forward to Sunday afternoon. The link, what I'm watching for, sponsored by Xfinity Mobile. Xfinity Mobile, the sponsor of WIP's Xfinity Mobile Lounge, a different kind of mobile network designed to save you money. So what I'm watching for actually the next couple of days is is are we going to get any sort of line moving in these games because we we're getting a lot on the Kansas City and Cincinnati game that's because of the uncertainty around the the ankle, the high ankle sprain of Patrick Mahomes. I don't know where that's going. I I, I would want I would think if we get good news on Mahomes, isn't that line going to flip back to the Chiefs as the favorite? Are they really going to be an underdog at home if Mahomes is starting? Like, I think the Bengals are going to win. But the betting market and the line is, is different than who actually wins the game. Like, are they going to close an underdog with
4: Mahomes on the field? I don't think so. And it's already moved quite a bit. Like, I think they're two-and-a-half-point underdogs this morning. Now they're they're back to one-point dogs yeah. since Mahomes said he feels fine. I think it's going to keep trending that way. I mean, I, I like Joe Burrow. I like the Bengals. If you're giving me Patrick Mahomes as a home underdog – I would take that eight times out of eight. Like, it wouldn't even be close. Right. I mean, even if they lose,
3: it's just like you you just have to take that, right? You just – it's the principle of it. Like, he's – I'm getting a point with Patrick Mahomes at home. Uh, I do think the Bengals are going to end up winning that game, though, so we'll see where the line movement goes. As far as the Eagles and the Niners, I don't expect any line movement unless it's coming back down because the way I see it is if that line moves to three – don't you think a lot of people that, that are sharp on this stuff are going to buy the Niners? We all keep saying it's a very close game. If the Niners are three-point underdogs, I believe they will get a lot of action on them. People will bet on them, and it'll go back to two, two and a half. Also, when it comes to teasing a game, people do that, right? You, could, you get six points on one side. If the if the line goes to, nine, to three, you can get the Niners up to nine. Do we think the Eagles are going to win this game by double digits? I don't I think this is gonna be a close game, so I would think that would would keep it under three and if we if it stays this way, like we're talking about, we haven't had a conference championship weekend with both games, three or less since nineteen ninety eight This doesn't often happen usually, there's one game you kinda know who the favorite is like so four five six seven point favorite. We haven't had a conference title game weekend with both games, three or under since nineteen ninety eight It is amazing. Glad we have Jalen Hurts on our side, and this game is on him. Here is what Hurts had to say today about his desire to win and why Hurts is the way he is.
6: I think I have, I just have the desire to, to, to win. I think I have a desire to win. Um, I, I put the work in for it. Um, try and be diligent with everything. I try and be the best teammate and leader that I can be and ultimately try and set set the pace. Um and, and set the temperature of the room, you know, and you know, I think the thing about leadership I say a lot of time is people lead because their peers let them lead and that you know, takes a lot of hard work, that takes a lot of sacrifice, um, it takes a lot of trust and ultimately all those things bring respect, you know, and I think as a team, uh, we just come a very long way. And um, the beautiful beautiful thing about everything is that we've continued to just try and climb. I tell him all the time, I said, there, there is no point where you'll arrive. There's only the journey. And we just want to continue to live on that journey. But definitely trying to take steps in the right direction, making um, daily deposits and um, you know, putting the work in every day, staying true to ourselves and our process.
3: So there's Hurst talking about his process and who, why he is the way he is. I mean, obviously, uh, as good of a leader as we have in the NFL right now, I, I did see – Uh, Last night on Inside the NFL, do you see who who Jalen Hurts has officially won over? He's officially won over a guy that I consider probably one of the five best, like, rah-rah leaders I've ever seen in my life as a sports fan. So last night on Inside the NFL, I saw a clip of this this morning. Um, I actually saw the quote, and actually see the clip, but I, I saw the quote this morning from Ray Lewis, guest last night on Inside the NFL. Did you hear his take on this game? So it's, it's kind of – I mean, I, I said today that if they're going to win this game, it's – Jalen Hurts needs to be the best player on the field. Jalen Hurts needs to play his best game. It's on Hurts. So earlier uh, this week on Inside the NFL, uh, Ray Lewis, who I, I consider one of the great leaders in, in the history of pro football, this was quote, quote. Uh, this comes down to who is the greatest – This would, before I keep going, this is, of course, how Ray Lewis would break down a game. Not about offensive line, defensive line. Ray Lewis is picking the game on who has the best leader. Uh, quote from Ray Lewis last night inside the NFL. This comes down to who is the greatest leader on the football field. Jalen Hurts, that man is a winner. He is a champion. Philadelphia Eagles go to the Super Bowl this weekend in Philly. Does it surprise you at all that Ray Lewis is in on Jalen Hurts? He probably see he he loves him. He's he's a leader. He's a, he's a he's a leader of men. The way Ray Lewis was different though. They're different kind of personalities.
4: Yeah, and uh, they have you know, slightly different backgrounds and probably different hobbies. Um... I do like like isn't it refreshing having a quarterback that everybody likes? Yes. Isn't it isn't it kind of nice to have a quarterback that's like popular in his own locker room and popular among other former NFL players? It
3: is funny, you know, so it's I mean, we always we have fun here and I have fun with Carson. He's not the only one. I think Kyler Murray's an awful leader. Jay Cutler was. I just do you think after the Wentz and now Hurts experience, can we all come together and agree on one thing? Like, we're never going to agree on the skill set of each quarterback, right? We're going to want this guy or that guy. You might be worried about this. Can we agree never again? I never want to do the quarterback isn't a leader thing again. I'm out. Like, when does it ever work? Never.
4: It, it doesn't. Like, I just I get the ambition and the idea that when we're evaluating quarterbacks, you can't teach someone how to throw the ball. Right. 70 yards downfield, and that's right? why like, guys like Carson Wentz, like Josh Allen, he, even like the the kid from Kentucky, what's his name? Will Levis. Will Levis. I was going to say Tevis. You know, like the cup company. Um, yeah, he's not. He, but what did? But Will Levis has a red flag.
3: You said you saw that before the season. He puts mayonnaise in coffee or something. something? Oh yeah, he does. But yeah. he thought. But he has a ridiculous yeah. arm. To the point that
4: Mel Kiper said he doesn't care that he throws interception because he throws the ball really far. There we go. But I also don't think you can teach leadership. I don't think you can teach people how to get people to follow them. And that's one of the reasons why I think Trevor Lawrence stinks. I just think he's goofy. And when Jalen Hurts speaks, the other 52 men in that locker room listen. And when Jalen Hurts speaks, I think the coaching staff listens. And as we kind of look at the Eagles and how they embark on this future journey with Jalen Hurts at quarterback, it's hard to see anybody not falling in line with him. Oh, I agree. I, mean, I just, I just hope
3: we come together. We're never. I'm never doing this again. Like I'm not going to allow the Eagles to do this. I will scream and yell until they, they get rid of the guy. I'm never doing the quarterback's not a leader thing again. Go through the recent NFL stuff. Jay Cutler wasn't a leader. Guy was a loser, and eventually it, it rubbed everyone the wrong way. Kyler Murray is that now. Carson Wentz was that. It doesn't work. And, I, and I, I do think a part of the reason why Aaron Rodgers, although he is a brilliant player, right? He's, he's way better than all these guys I just mentioned. He's you know, a, a class, a million classes above Wentz and Cutler and Kyler. But don't you, like, is it a coincidence that the Packers haven't won anything since the, his one Super Bowl? I don't think it is. I, I think he's been a poor leader. It's all about him. He went on McAfee last week. talking about He, he can win an MVP again if he's surrounded by the right players. N- not a Super Bowl. He's doing this whole crap again like last year about making it all about him. There's something to this. It's hard football's hard. You got to all be pulling in the right direction and even if you have the great talent at quarterback like Rodgers, I mean not just good like Cutler, but Rodgers, it's still hard to win if not a leader. Look at Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's like a phony baloney make-believe leader, you know, like just a fake. And when he was a good player, it worked. But as soon as he lost the skill, it's it's sad now. Like, the Russell Wilson thing is sad. I he, uh, he has his own office, his own gy- chiropractor. I think the Russell Wilson thing might be the funniest thing in the NFL. How bad he is and how he doesn't get it. Yeah, do you think he knows he's bad? I I, I think he's in denial.
4: I just, I don't know. I, I could see him coming into work every day and just keep churning out the way he <laughs> thought he was when he was an MVP candidate. Like not even acknowledging that the defensive line and the other people on the team are cursing under their breath every time he throws an interception. It is amazing how bad
3: that went. I just I hope we've learned our lesson with the, with the last two quarterbacks and the difference. And it doesn't mean you can never have success. It just it, it can't sustain. Right. Carson has had success. He was a good player. For a little bit. But it can't sustain. If you don't have a leader at the quarterback position, it is going to just fall apart. And if you have one, it could sustain. And Ray Lewis, obviously a different kind of player. Ray Lewis was a brilliant linebacker. You know, I, I wouldn't want to cross him at a, at a bad moment. We, we know about the stories off the field or at least the one moment off the field. But as a leader, like, that guy, I think he does motivational speeches now, Ray Lewis. He should. I, Ray Do you Lewis. remember his Hall of Fame speech? Yes. They gave him, like, a headset in 30 minutes. And he was sweating through all his clothes, screaming and yelling. But I remember those those games with the Ravens, and even at the end of his career, like he spoke, they li- they yeah they listened. I mean, he, they would run through a wall for that guy. He might be. I think of him and Dawkins as probably the two best fire up a team leaders I've ever seen in football. Like those guys were just like they commanded everything. And only one of them used deer antlers. Play. Remember that? Remember that controversy around the the Super Bowl? Right when the yeah the, he had a.
4: Torn tricep, I think. And he kept playing through it because of deer antler spray. Because he ground up deer antlers and sprayed it on it or something. So, uh, yeah, I mean, whatever that was, it obviously
3: worked, and, and he, he got a Super Bowl there. I almost thought the NFL almost like knew about it, and they were like, well, it's his last ride. We're just going to let this It's a good story. You got Joe Flacco, like $150 million. It was a great story. Yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. All right, 215-592-9494. I, I have this thing written down. I, I was actually, Tucker and I were talking about it uh, a few minutes ago, about an hour ago. And I, I'm sure we'll come back to this on Friday when we, we do our final preview and prediction on the game. I came across this a couple days ago, and I, I don't know what to make of it other than it's certainly interesting. Is it gonna have any impact on the game on Sunday? I don't know. But it feels like you ever watch when they when they put the kicker stats up on the screen and you just know if it's like perfect, it's gonna go wrong at some point. So I saw I I heard this during the Cowboy Niner game, and then I kind of wrote it down. I was like, let me look this up. So, if the game comes down to a kick on Sunday, and I think it is very possible it's coming down to a kick on Sunday, we have two very evenly matched teams with a spread under three. This this could be a field goal game on either side. We have two field goal kickers in this game: one a longtime veteran, and one I'd be called Jake Elliott a veteran now. He's been around for five, six years. He's, he's he's not a young player anymore. Neither of these guys have ever missed a field goal in the playoffs, and Robbie Gould has been doing it since two thousand five. So. Robbie Gould is 29 of 29 field goals in the postseason. Jake Elliott is 12 of 12, which means combined, these two kickers are 41 of 41 in the postseason. Doesn't that seem almost impossible? Like these are the highest pressure kicks of their lives, and they have been absolutely perfect in the postseason. Now to take it a step further, I think Elliott has missed two postseason extra points. So he's not fully perfect, but he's perfect on field goals. Robbie Gold has never missed an extra point in the postseason. He's literally perfect on every kick he's ever had in the postseason. But combine their 41 of 41. Is that going to continue through Sunday, or is someone going to miss a kick? It feels too good to be true.
4: And I feel like when you get to big streaks like that, you don't miss a kick in the first quarter. No. You don't miss a kick when you're up 27-7, to seven, and there's only two minutes left, and it really means nothing unless you, you have the over in the game. When you miss a kick after making that many in a row, it's a backbreaking kick, right? You're down two with five seconds to go, and you're lining up for like a 46-yarder. Well, let's play it out then. Sunday, let's fast forward to Sunday at
3: 6.55, okay? Sunday, or yeah, 5.55. Sunday around 6 p.m., three at three hours after kickoff. Sunday afternoon at the link. What would you rather, Robbie Gold who's 29 of 29, heading into the game on field goals in his postseason career, lining up for a 53-yarder with the Eagles up 23-21, Tucker, or would you rather the Eagles down 23-21? Same scenario, three seconds to go. It's the last play of the game. Jake Elliott lining up for a 53-yarder. Down two with Elliott, up two with Robbie Gold,
4: 53 yards away. Can I look what the expected wind is supposed to be at that time on Sunday? Uh, Yeah, sure, you can. Uh, only six miles
3: per hour. So it's going not southwest. really
4: Not really a factor. I hate taking the deficit, but I think I would lean on Elliot. Right, like I, I would rather have confidence. And even though the Eagles' special teams have been terrible, Jake Elliott's played at a high level. Yep. I think I would lean on that. I would want my guys to make the play, as opposed to to praying Robbie Gold misses. I trust Jake Elliott. I do, and I hope I don't. Come, that those words
3: don't bite me. In, in a few days. I trust him. I, I I lean to that side as well. I would trust Elliott to make the field goal more than hope Robbie Gold's about to miss the first one of his life in a big spot. 41 to 41. How is that how has that never been brought up until now? Like he didn't just get to the playoffs. I, I've never heard anyone say this for until I, I think it was Burkhart and Olson brought it up that he's never missed a postseason kick. So I, when I looked it up, I didn't expect him to have this many field goals. I mean I, I it's weird. He's been with the Niners for their whole run, and he was with the Bears when he was young. That Rex Grossman Super Bowl. So he's been in the playoffs quite a few times. But I, di- I just didn't think he had that many career postseason field goals. It's like, really? He's lined up for forty-one of these, never missed one, and we've never talked about it. I- I'm going to keep saying this for the next four days to jinx this guy. We need a Robbie Gold miss on Sunday. The Six Bears like the worst Super Bowl team ever. They have to be, or at least, I mean, I heard a, um, I forget who it was, Brewski maybe. I heard one of the those Patriots – because remember that that AFC title game that year was the Patriots and the – And the Colts. And that was like the big comeback. Peyton had a big comeback in the fourth quarter. He finally slayed the dragon that was the Patriots. I heard – I forget which one. One of those Patriots – I was telling a story once, and he said, after that game, they were like joking with each other, the Patriots and Colts, and the Patriots basically told the Colts, congratulations on, on winning the Super Bowl. Like they all knew, like that was the Super Bowl. Like, the Bears were just sort of, like, just, just in there. They, but they both teams knew in the um, AFC Championship game that the winner of that
4: game had won the Super Bowl. And it played out that way. I mean, the Bears still went 13-3 and three in the regular season. Number two offense in the league, number three defense. But it was Rex Grossman. But it's Rex Grossman. Like, can you imagine a bigger Super Bowl mismatch than Peyton Manning, Rex Grossman? Well, we almost got one five years ago. Wouldn't Case Keenum and Tom Brady have been up there with that? I think a lot of people would argue Nick Foles well, but Tom we, Brady yeah. belongs in that category, but we well, know how that ended. Yeah, and
3: Nick Foles did have a high level of play in him at one point, right? Like Rex Grossman never had that kind of season. He threw 20 picks that
4: year, 23 touchdowns, 20 picks. They went 13 games, but a quarterback with 23 touchdowns and 20 picks? Well, here's what's what, so we talk a lot about winning the turnover battle. They were 28th in the NFL in turnovers that year, but they were first in turnovers forced. That defense was ridiculous.
3: Uh, Briggs, Erlacher, who was the, the defensive tackle? Tommy Harris. They beat the Cardinals week six, 24-23, despite six turnovers. Do you, you don't remember what that game was, right? That was the, that was the Dennis screen. We are who they thought we thought
4: they were. And we let them oh. off the hook. And then two weeks later, they beat San Francisco by forcing five turnovers. So Next wait. week against Miami, lost, turned the ball over six times. How many times did they turn the ball over against the Cardinals in the game you mentioned? The Denny Green game? Six. That's why he was so mad. His team forced six turnovers, and he they lost. They turned the ball over at least five times in five separate games. And were the number one seed in the NFC? I believe they were. I think they had the number one
3: seed. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, they were home on the Divisional Sunday. Well, if remember, if the Eagles had beat the Saints in the, in the Divisional, that, that's where they were going. They, they would have gone to Chicago. Right. I think they could have won that game. They could have beat Rex that day. They didn't turn the ball over. That that was a, a wild year in the NFC, and we're gonna have a wild game here on Sunday, NFC Championship game. The Eagles and the Niners. Is Rob Cherry ready for an NFC Championship? Let's
7: put it this. Uh, My mic. Here we go. Let's put it this way, Joe. You're not starting a midday show for a couple of weeks. I,
3: I I don't plan on starting until February twentieth. That no, that's, that's locked in.
7: Yeah, they're they're winning Sunday. Any worry? No, no. After I watched the uh, the Niners and Cowboys, it's yeah. like these teams aren't. They didn't look that good. Especially offensively, they, they were good de- on defense. Yeah, offensively, they couldn't get anything
3: going. I just can't see Purdy coming. They're going to get Purdy. They're going to sack him. They're well, gonna... he looked bad against
7: the Cowboys. I know. It, doesn't it feel like he's about to throw some interceptions? Like he's throwing well, the ball up. I thought, uh the Cowboy games were, is, is going to be his bad game. It'll improve from there. But no, I think it's. I think the Eagles are going to rattle him. The if the Eagles win the turnover battle, they win the game. That's it. No like, there's no no picks, no fumbles. They got this. Well, even if they don't win the turnover battle, they can still win this game. At 49ers – McCaffrey is—he's all banged up. His cap—he wasn't on the field at the end of the game. Well, they only put him in for third downs because and he, and they didn't have him running the football. He had him catching the football.
3: So two questions I have for you: Can you ever think of an easier Eagles playoff win than Saturday?
7: I mean, that game was over ten minutes in. Well, the Minnesota game turned out to be easy, but they were behind. in that Right, game. they were down seven nothing, and they were going to be down ten nothing or maybe fourteen nothing. There was angst in the in the beginning of that yeah. game. Yeah, uh, well, there was a Detroit game in 1995 with Roddy, Roddy Peep. Yeah, yeah, they 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 beat him so bad and fifty and something,
3: yeah, like fifty eight points. Yeah, and
7: they had a hail mary at the end of the half to like rob Carpenter or something like that. Right, that was easy.
3: But this yeah. Saturday was like the game was over in
7: ten minutes. Well, it's a, it proved what a fraud the Giants yeah, are. It did. It proved what a fraud these these commentators are. These these so called experts. All oh, the Giants are peaking at the right uh, time. It was nauseating. The Cowboys, uh, you know, their Dak is now he's proven something. It was ridiculous. So my other question is almost as bad as people getting uh, saying Joel Embiid's gotten gotten somewhere after he gets out of the first round. Yeah, can this we get to the year. conference championship or the yeah the, uh, exactly. uh, yeah, the Eastern It was conference. you that said that.
3: He, yeah, he's got to get to the Eastern <laughs> Conference final. So let me ask this one: Do you what's your memory of the only Eagles Niners playoff game ever? There's only been one. It was brutal. It was rain. It rained the whole time. 60 mile an hour winds. It was 96. They didn't, they
7: didn't score a point. 14
3: nothing. Whoever the quarterback
7: was, he got hurt. Detmer and then Rippon came in. Mark Rippon. Mark Rippon? Played in that game. See, I, I didn't remember Rippon was on the team. I remember that Detmer, Detmer was at his elbow or something. Yeah, it might have been. He threw two picks in the end zone. It was awful. Yeah, he was like... like- Squirming around the field with whatever injury he
3: had. So they lost fourteen nothing, but yeah. they hurt Steve Young in the game. He hurt his ribs, and the next
7: week he couldn't play. Yeah, against I heard the you Packers. say that. I couldn't. I because it, it, the, the nine the Cowboys had won the year before, right? 95. The Niners had won the year before that. So
3: that this the year we're talking about. The Packers ended up winning.
7: Yeah, that was far yeah. of Super Bowl. So it, uh, San Francisco lost to Green Bay that yes. year. Yes,
3: but I I, I it's weird. The isn't game it? was awful. Isn't it odd? These two teams have been, the Eagles the last 25 years, but they had a decent run with Buddy. Yeah. Niners the
7: last 40 years, they've only played one playoff game. It's y- weird. You know what's weird is that the 80, 80 Eagles got to their first Super Bowl. The next year, the Niners got to their first Super Bowl. And the Eagles started out that year 6-0. and It's like. They disappeared. It just feels like they've missed each other a lot of times. This Parallel universes. But I think they're about to play a lot in
3: the playoffs. It feels like we're going to get a bunch of these the well, next the Niners.
7: I didn't realize how many times the Niners have been there recently. Th- third title game in the last four years. That, that says something about Shanahan. It says something about the, the the system out there. Shanahan reminds me of young Andy Reid. He's going to get one one day. Well, didn't uh, Chip Kelly go to San Francisco from here and just was a total disaster? And then they hired Shanahan. Yeah, off of that, they screwed up and then they got it right. Okay. Well, that happens. Much when... like Howie with his draft picks. Exactly. Sometimes you need to fall <laughs> down to get back up. <laughs> That's, but San Francisco's got five in the bag anyway. Yeah, they're five. Yeah,
3: they, they could they could handle a loss this weekend.
7: Well, they can. And I heard your guy on the guy from San yeah. Francisco was saying that the Shanahan's the best coach ever. Well, he out of his mind. Well, no, I think he said
3: he's gonna he's gonna be the longest tenured. He's gonna pass Walsh because he's been there six years. Nobody
7: passes Mike. Well, Litton. if he's there eleven years, nobody passes passes Walsh. Walsh is tenure, a, tenure. Bill Walsh might be the greatest coach of all time because of all the people he spawned under him. Yeah, sure. I mean, and, it, and him and Madden knew when to get out. They did ten years and they're done. Well, I think a years. lot
3: of smart people realize that ten years you're kind of worn out. Your, your well, Joe Gibbs is-
7: had the same thing. Well, then he, he came back and that, now he does race cars. Well, race he's been cars. doing race cars the whole time. <laughs> I know.
3: Joe <laughs> talk Gibbs talk about car. a
7: dangerous sport. Uh, yeah, it is.
3: Yeah. All right, Rob Cherry. Next, you guys have a great night on Sports Radio ninety four WIPA.